This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. Kat Johnson kicked the season off with an episode about food and football, so now we're turning to one of my favorite sports, talking about cookbooks. We'll take a sneak peek at a few recipe breakthroughs that Rose Levy-Berenbaum discovered while working on her 12th cookbook. You know, so this was such a eureka thing. People ask me if I still keep learning, and yeah, just thinking about it and trying to find a better way. It happens. And hear about the challenges of writing a book about alcohol from HRN host Souther Teague. The history of drinking is very blurry because people were drinking and no one was writing, taking notes. Plus, we'll get all the expert dish about the most exciting cookbook titles heading to bookstores this fall. Like jazz music, it's been a part of American cuisine for, for centuries. Subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts and be the first to know when the next episode drops. Welcome. Oh wait, did we start? Welcome to the main course, OG everybody. I'm Patrick Martin, your host. Our guest today is Alfred Milanese, the energy behind the best pretzel in America. Best pretzel in your mouth right now. No doubt about it. Ew. Well, the, the crazy and, thing and is, is there's no it. there's no water. There's like nothing to drink here, so he's like. Totally These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> this is a, a historic um, show for a lot of levels. On a lot of levels, one is we just heard Rocket '88, first rock and roll song of all time. Main course was the first radio, first sound ever on this network at Roberta's Pizza. Um, it's also David's last day in studio as our engineer and visionary. David, you've been great. We we love you. You're always going to be part of the history of the network. How many hours have you logged? Oh, millions. It's been. Can two... we now, for for the future, lead with um, this was David's last show instead of <laughs> this was this was the very first show. <laughs> this was David's last show. Well, time is a flat circle. We're a big fan. I mean, uh, I definitely know your brain has gotten bigger doing this because you have probably interviewed my brain, my ego, 10, every, everything really. Ten thousand uh, people you probably interviewed. I mean, ten, twenty thousand people have been through this studio. I mean, Jimmy Carbone's show alone, one of his episodes has like fifty people. In yeah, it. it's true. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, you know, I haven't really been interviewing people, but uh, I definitely meet a lot of people, and and my my brain, uh, my food brain, has grown exponentially. So, um, yeah. When you're ninety. If you live that long in a rocking chair, what do you think? Uh, if you have one, uh, what do you think you're going to be will most remember about HRN? I mean, what are some of the? It's hard to ask that question now. If you don't say arts and seizures, I'm going to come in the control room. There's going to be trouble. <laughs> 
for sure arts and seizures has branded me for life uh no but what is it i mean is it being a pioneer in a new field of reporting and news and media or was it something you the, the wireless someone you met Anything? Uh, no, I mean, I don't really consider myself one of the pioneers here because, like, you guys had this up and running for years before I came on. I'm more like the second or second and a half generation. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I always, like I said in my farewell email, like, for me, just, like, seeing all the hosts coming and going and their guests and, like, all these different perspectives and topics in the world of food, it's been really inspirational to watch, like, you know, everybody put their shows together to be so dedicated to something that, you know, they're just doing for the love of it. And, uh, yeah. By the way, don't uh, don't tell yourself short. You are a pioneer. Remember, like, Christopher Columbus was not, uh, you know, America Vespucci is don't still a founder. To, don't you compare me to that dog, Columbus. Amerigo Vespucci, I said. You know, as long as you're in the first generation, you are a founder. And you have been the head guy. And after Jack Inslee left, who was truly a founder, you... Uh, picked up the energy and, and kept the tradition going. So you'll well, forever you. be uh, part of this uh, this network. Now you're dead to me. Thanks, you Patrick. This is an quit. albatross. You, you will wear it forever. We hate you. You're dead to me. <laughs> I feel uh, myself sinking as we speak. I would take this off your resume immediately. In, <laughs> in stu- if you And back up the episode. If you lose this episode, I swear to God, because like you don't care. Like, it's I in two places. Don't worry. Elizabeth, thank God for the cloud. Elizabeth Greeley is in studio. Good morning. Emily Pearson. Hey. Our, our kind of point guards, if you will, even though they have terrible hand-eye coordination. We have Brandon Hoy, who we're responsible to who have a host. excellent hand-eye coordination. You should see what I'm doing right now. Not as good as me. <laughs> this Brandon, is Brandon Hoy. We have to have him on because he is an owner of Roberta's. They get to be hosts so of wait, whatever show they is, want. This is how I, I Obligatory. have to have me on. <laughs> I've like, forced my way in here like with a shoehorn. Mike Edison is in studio, one of our hosts. Explain to me why I'm here. He is wife. His girlfriend kicked him out, and he lives here now in a little trundle bed. <laughs> I am your other host, Patrick Martin. And our special guest for the panel on the weekly grill is Alfred Milanese. Am oh, I pronouncing yes, that correctly? You got the right, Milanese. Uh, one of our. Uh, Basically, the visionary behind the renaissance of Martin's pretzels. He's old, but he's not 1923 old, which is when the pretzels started. So he's really the guy that introduced New York to this favorite snack. So without further ado, we're going to get to our rapid-fire panel discussion. Libby, Emily, take it over. Yes. So I'm over here munching on pretzels. They're very good. Okay, so from CBD treatments to embezzling lobsters, we have an eclectic lineup today to go over. But we're going to start with what do you own that is actually... Handmade, and what does handmade mean to each of you? That's a good first question. We have that because these pretzels are handmade, no oh. machines, and so we're thinking about artisan. We're thinking about handmade, real, not bullshit handmade, but real, true handmade. It's a good question, Emily. I don't know. I was thinking about it quite a bit on my way here, and I was realizing I was a little embarrassed for my lack of handmade items at home. Yeah, I think Ikea probably, doesn't have very much handmade no, stuff. No, you're right. A you, lot of you never them. bought anything in an airport in a third world country. <laughs> Actually, yeah, some magnets, you know, a few little items, scarves little, here little, and little there. A little tchotchke. little tchotchkes. No, but I think uh, a, a Mike's couple... Mike's tchotchke collection is all handmade by little teeny hands. <laughs> really small hands and teeny fingers. I was going to go with a couple of pairs of shoes that I really like that I try to, like, keep around. Like, I definitely go back to the shoemaker to Guatemala. revive them. No, more like Italy. Oh, Italy. Oh, you're super famous. No, Vietnam. Vietnam. And Vietnam. And Vietnam on my honeymoon. But so shoes and probably a few like ceramic or wood items, like mm-hmm. kitchen stuff. 
More so. Well, I'm married to Ann Saxelby, so uh, she's a famous cheesemonger. So first of all, our cheese, you know, all the cheese in the fridge. But aprons. We actually have a wall unit that uh, Liam built for us uh, when he wasn't being, uh, you know, given tasks here at Roberta's. He carved out a few minutes to make us this beautiful wall unit. Good we fun. actually love handmade stuff. Even if it's falling apart and rickety and chipped and broken, we much prefer that. He's than... just described his apartment for yeah. all of you. Now, yeah. now you know. Now you know what Patrick's apartment looks like. Our our kids' feet and hands are always have like a little blood stain from splinters. There's like rusty stuff. nails sticking out of everything. Not it's nails, just... splinters. No one gets splinters anymore. You know what happened to wood stuff? I'm I'm a big believer in handmade pretzels. You see the difference. They're no one not... gets polio anymore either. No, but you know the worst offense is uh, that I've seen over the years is uh, this, our signs say handmade, and it's always handmade pretzels, handmade pretzels, and people will be staring at the sign, handmade, and say, "Oh, you have homemade pretzels." <laughs> and, oh no. And I've always got to come back with, well, "We couldn't make these in a home if we tried." Yeah. I, yeah. I actually did it one time for a presentation. I tried making them in my home kitchen. It was impossible. <laughs> well, yeah, no, those pretzels. But what about you guys? Homemade stuff? I, I mean, mean, handmade. Hand, I, I have my. <laughs> Also, my house is littered with handmade stuff. Uh -huh. I, you know, I, I'm a craftsman myself, so shell everything. And your wife's have, a designer, I'm, right? Yeah, clothes. I mean, we I have more stuff than I could probably even list. That's that's, that's cool. handmade. Also, all of my kids' art that's just like you know, strewn across the house, everywhere. Also, your kids, handmade. unfortunately, yeah. oh. and the kids. I no, handmade those kids with my wife. <laughs> You've left, killed left a right, lot of kids with left your hands. Right hand. A lot of. Well, thank Patrick. God there's no video here. Are you getting biblical there, Patrick? Uh, I got like all sorts of uh, oddball musical instruments all over my house. The question is, what is handmade though? So if it's an electronic musical instrument, someone put together a couple tubes and a couple circuits and put them in a box, but they're all like random components. Does that count as handmade? Like some of these oddball, th yeah. like, like homemade theremins that I've been collecting. And I think um, the antithesis, the opposite of handmade is commodity, which is like the lowest common denominator of anything, whether it be a table, a clock, a guitar. So as long as it's a high-end thing, it's absolutely handmade, even though a machine might have made some of the components. I mean, but you're right, it's kind of like homemade versus handmade. Like, if you can you can buy, like, uh, old classic cars where you put them together yourself. Like, they're the, right. I can't think of the word, but, like, build the car. Kits. Kit car. Kit, kit cars, thank you. Is that... Kit, that's a, that's a machine. Wasn't Kit a name of a machine car? Kit was yeah, Knight Rider. Knight Rider. Knight Rider. It was, uh, David Hasselhoff's famous car. Yeah, that was. There's Kit. nothing handmade about that. I'm pretty sure Kit could make some pretty cool pretzels if you gave him the opportunity. Yeah. If he had yes, hands. Dave. Yes, Dave. I buy handmade soap and shea butter lotion. Those Ooh, are nice. My, that's my. Okay, so it's a term. By the way, the, just last thing handmade is dying out. Well, it's sad. I don't know. I think it ha I think it's, it's like having a back. I think it's having a renaissance. I, yeah. I, I would dispute that the handmaid's dying out. I think handmade now is a is a popular marketing uh, ploy. So some people still have to actually do it, mm -hmm. even though probably more than half of the people who say they do it are not technically really doing it. But mm -hmm. but it's still happening. Well, that goes into this. Is the term artesian overused? And what are the most misused terms in the food space or did in you, general? Was there a typo? Did you put a Z Arte in that? I know. I can't say this word. That either. was all. Artisan. I did mean. not artisan? want to say this artisan word. Artisan or artesian? I don't artisan. know. I actually like artesian. I'm going to quit. I would assume that it would have two L's in it. Artesian like, coordinates. I didn't an Argentinian. Want to... Artesian. Ah. 
Yes. He's an artesian. It sounds like a Star Trek character. Or race. Yeah, the artesians are revolting. All right, well, no, but so the question was is the term artisan overused? And what other words do you guys think are misused or overused in the food space? Good question. You want to take this over, Alfred? Well, I, I, I believe that there is this sort of a latching on to terms and terminology as soon as people believe that that's something that's going to sell their product, and uh, often whether or not it's true. Um, I mean, one of the things in the pretzel world that I find interesting is there are no artisan pretzels aside from uh, Martin's and, and a handful of, of handmade pretzel bakeries that uh, remain. Uh, but often there are these stories that are on the back of, uh, of sort of the standard pretzel bags that make you think that this thing has, you know, come down... And they're they're fabricated. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're and, and and so even as we were doing some of our new packaging and coming up with the story of Martin's pretzels, I'm sitting there thinking, I wonder how many people are going to believe this is really true. You know, because <laughs> you're telling the truth, and yet because everyone else is stealing. Yeah, some and there concepts. are all these like stories that, uh, are, but but they they borrow. The, it's like borrowing the words, and it's actually even in the the narrative of a lot of the stories. Are, are kind of something that become things that are overused. You know, the, the little the family that started out with this little product and then it grew and grew, and but they're still got the family value of whatever it was where they started mm-hmm. and uh, no longer, in fact. Let me say, first of all, I'm glad there is such a thing as the pretzel world. Okay, that thrills me to no end. <laughs> and now I have an idea where I'm going to write design pretzels and the story is that the Jews made them when they were fleeing Egypt and they were baked <laughs> on hot rocks right, right as we were escaping from Pharaoh. That's what I'm, you're I'm, taking, I'm taking it way back. I think Aren't those like, called pretzel like, chips? They're, they're flat. flat. The, pre- the, pre- the, pre- the, pre- the pretzels of affliction. They didn't have time to rise. Leavened, leavened with. <laughs> well, I'm in the internet world because we don't have a storefront heritage foods, even though we should. Um, that's how good our stuff is. But I read internet sites that sell meat, and they're like local meats. And I'm like, you're a mail order service. It's local to no one yeah, unless right. they buy it in your town. And then, of course... Heritage, which is totally not monitored. People can put heritage next to anything. So local and heritage are on menus all the time, yeah. and there's local, no way to local know. Local vor, organic, artisanal. All, all of these are marketing. All of these are like flash terms to, to sell things that are probably misused more times than not. I would I would say almost anything. Like if you have to go out and put these things on your product, it's probably not the best. You're probably not selling the best product. If you could, you can't just put your name on something mm-hmm. and have people buy it and you have to do this, then you're, you're, you're fighting in a world of sharks. Like Roberta's Pizza, for instance, which is your name. Yeah. I don't know. For me, I was th- in that regard, I was thinking about like gluten-free. It's not that it's misused. I just think it's overused. It's things that are obviously gluten-free, but that yeah. we're, we're tagging everything with so many labels just to make sure that... It's supposedly attractive. Yes, I, I, I'm pretty sure my grapes are gluten-free. I actually see there's a there's a good one uh, on the way out to like Greenport. There's somebody who sells firewood, and it says gluten-free firewood, which I, I, I think now there's somebody who's really used this marketing to, for, for, for good reason. Well, I think you're right. I think all of those words. It's not. I was thrown by the question because you asked what one word, but it's not. It's every single one of these words in heritage. I mean, Patrick, you know better. Know it better than anyone. We talk about it all. 
all time. People throw heritage on their large industrial farmers are throwing it on their product. It, it doesn't natural means nothing at, at this oh point. Oh my God, natural! I was going to say know, that. I mean, next. I mean, it means, oh it means nothing. God, what does that I mean, mean? It means nothing at this point. You know, all natural probably means even less. But this is, you know, you've seen this. We've talked about this at length, that every movement, every thing has always been co-opted. Every uh, grassroots movement has always been co-opted by Madison Avenue. It's been co-opted by corporations. You know, so, you know the second, like, the hippies... Uh, you know, it became marketable. There they were on Madison Avenue. The second the VW microbus was marketable, there it was, like, you know, across America. Same thing with punk rock. Same thing with every grassroots movement that ever started. The second they figured out after they could sell soda pop with hip-hop, it became a mainstream thing. You know, talk to the small organic farmers at Green Market, and they will all tell you, well, organic has been co-opted. Uh, it, it really, the, the term has very little to do. The, the one that you can officially use... Uh, sanctioned by the uh, FDA has very little to do with a lot of what their practices have always been and what they've tried to do, and uh, they're often pretty offended by it. Also, we were talking the, yesterday about the word gourmet, although I think that one was a long time ago. The delis was... took that from us. The Brooklyn Nats is gourmet. <laughs> a gourmet deli, back. exactly. Okay, speaking of sweet, Gourmets. sugar, gourmet, salty pretzels. It's football season. It's back to school. I'm doing my own sound effect for this one. What is your snack of choice on game day? Or if you're not a sports person, just like, what's your snack of choice on the weekend? Salty, sweet. All right, Patrick, we know yours is a pretzel. Martin's pretzels, are you kidding? They are literally the best. Pretzels are making me thirsty. They're crusty. (laughs) They do have, now occasionally there'll be a, a, a batch of pretzels that's not perfect. I mean, Alfred will... It testified to that. Sometimes I don't have enough salt, in which case I take the bag back. Salt's and all put on by hand, so it's, you know, random. Then all you have to do is go back to the green market, and they will replace the salt for you on each individual <laughs> piece. It costs extra to do that, but... That's you know, truly handmade, too. Yeah. That's, that's a direct so to the source. I Mike, buy a three-pound bag. Mike, we know yours is probably Malamar's. I know you think of it as Malamar fixation. Um, I, I, you know, I, I like the idea that there's a seasonal candy that they only show up at certain times of years. And I guess when Cadbury I was a kid, egg. it was sort of like kind of kind of mystical when the when the Malamars would show up. But I feel like now I can get anything I want anytime I want. So, so some of that magic is kind of gone. They remind me of scooter pies. I think that's why I'm nostalgic. For you, don't even know what a scooter pie is, even though <laughs> clue. Um, that's why I kind of like Malamars. I saw matzah in the supermarket yesterday. I thought it was a bit premature. Easter has its own bunch of chocolate egg things from Cadbury. Malamars, I didn't know were seasonal. Now I know. Mandela's your favorite corporation. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they make Malamars. Okay, but football games. Like, are you guys chips people, pretzels people? Like, I'm not going to lie. My my snacks have to have cheese. So I'm more of like cheese and crackers, nachos. I'm not just like a chip person. Well, Martin's pretzels with goat cheese, soft goat Ooh. cheese. Early on, way before Coach, there was a, a Coach goat, uh, goat uh, lady in the market, Gail Kessler. And uh, we would go to new farmer's markets together. This is 1982. And we'd test them out because we figured out that there was this magical thing that happened when you took soft goat cheese, fresh goat cheese, and pretzels. It was like a synergistic effect. You had a different flavor that was created altogether. But uh, that's pretzels and cheese. All right, I'll see you Saturday. I'm in. (laughs) I I like pretzels as a delivery system. I put peanut butter on pretzels all the time. Put hummus on pretzels. Pretzels are the ultimate dipping thing. 
My guys all make fun of me for for always telling everyone that crumble the pretzels on vanilla ice cream. It's the most amazing treat in the world. Just plain. Brandon, what's your trip? Tostitos? Well, I mean, you guys know me. I just eat meat. So uh, (laughs) if I'm snacking, if they they have like a meat chip, uh, I'll eat it. You know, like like if there's like old pieces of sausage laying around, I'll eat it. Is there you meat know, and chip form yet? Um, it just, should be. Just I think the, you're sitting you know, on a goldmine there. Uh, cheese as well, meat and cheese. I would say football. A football snack for me is probably going to be a platter of meats and cheeses. You once came uh, over and and you guys. I like bread. A, a thick cheese dip. It was like a dip. It was the most. I still think we have it in our fridge from probably. A years ago. Probably it was so that delicious. Uh, just seeing what you have in your fridge, I would imagine that there's probably <laughs> lots of things from parties five years five ago years that ago. are still in your fridge. I, you. I think you probably actually eat the footballs. What it sounds like. You ladies, as, 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 as long as there's as long as there's hot sauce around, yeah. you know, let's do it. Yeah, nachos or I love Sahadi's hummus. That's like I just like crave that. Sahadi's is such a. Good I'm not gonna story. lie, I, I I love hummus too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a but this specific hummus. one you just like crave. I think I'm gonna go there this weekend and get some. Oh yeah, they're closed on Sundays. That's the worst business decision in the history of the world. But they're closed on Sundays. I'm with you, Patrick. But I like rush there on Saturday or try to get there before seven o'clock on weekdays. All right. Did you hear about Cynthia Nixon's recent bagel order? Oh, my God. Mike is getting red She's in the face. She's running for governor against Andrew <laughs> Cuomo here in New York and was the star of Sex in the City, or a star, I should say, not the star. She was the fourth most important star. Exactly. Or as the New York Post called it, wretch in the city after that bagel order. Oh, was that the headline? All right, so Mike already knows. Her yeah, order was heard better. lox, red onion, <laughs> tomato, capers, cream cheese. So far, so good in my book. Okay. On a cinnamon raisin bagel. Ooh. Ooh. This is like one of my cat's deli it's late at night. It's been called horrifying, basically criminal. I guess she was called a Shonda. A Shonda for sure. Revolting. A Shonda. This is like one of my cats' deli at like 4 a.m. and some guy comes in and orders corned beef with Swiss and mayo and I just want to punch him in the head. It's wrong. It's hashtag wrong. Mayo is not traditionally, I know, a, a Jewish uh, sandwich kind. It uh, also sounds gross. It's, I mean, it's, it's like even the, you like. I, I, I've been stoned at four in the morning and thought things would be good, but that does sound disgusting. No, it's just wrong. <laughs> it, it's just wrong. You don't put cheese on corned beef. Put a nice hot mustard on rye bread. That's it. I think the cinnamon raisin bagel, like every twentieth bagel I eat. I want to be a cinnamon raisin bagel. It breaks things up, and there it's not completely sweet like a blueberry bagel. There is something I like, I like that. Like, blueberry wait, wait, wait. bagel. I like cinnamon raisin toasted with butter or just like plain when it's warm. This is why God gave gra- you babka. That's what okay? my grandmother eats. It doesn't belong in a bagel. It's a babka. Bagels are not sweet. Onion, okay, poppy seed, sesame seed, Have the you everything guys- bagel, and the salt bagel, which you don't see like you used to when I was a kid. You're not even bagels. You you probably order like a whole wheat bagel. And no, no, think no. That's you, okay. you don't even think everything. You've grandfathered everything bagels in. That's not one of the originals, according to you, right? That's not one of the originals. That was a, that was a '90s innovation. I, I was raised on plain bagels with basically her order, but plain bagels. And I met my husband, and now I'm totally everything bagels. Do you know I grew up on lenders? That was the only way to get bagels Ugh. in the early 70s. You were That's guaranteed. so not true. You grew up on the Upper East Side. You grew up in New York and you're buying frozen bagels. In the neighborhood, it was, there weren't great bagels. Two there words. were no great bakeries. <laughs> lenders is still a way to eat bagels. Well, because Zabars didn't exist when you were growing up? I wasn't going to go H-H there at right 7 in the morning up? for a bagel. He's full of crap. He just didn't want to go very far. He wanted to go to only to his freezer. Now there's bagels everywhere. 
There's not a, a lot place. Of, there's some bad ones. Some bad ones. There's some bad bagels. Bagels are not easy to make. I mean, it requires a kettle. Mean, it means a kettle. You gotta, you gotta just let them um, retard, I guess, overnight, right? It's not too different from yeah. pizza. Don't say well, that anyway. word. I can, I can say that. I, I don't, think, I don't think you have to, it's not the full retard. So I'll be okay. <laughs> I, I, this is probably a blasphemy, but I'm a Montreal bagel fan. Oh, I'm a ba- I, I, I knew, I knew this would, I knew oh. this would, I knew this would be a dagger to the back because it has of no inside. Wait, where do you, right? where do you I get just, them in Montreal? My husband's flying there today. I, I want him to bring me home bagels. I, I, I wouldn't you be. Like I can't. I, just, I, I can't I really. I, I don't know. I don't know what the places mm. are, but I, I actually prefer that style. I do. It just. Yeah, I just I don't I, one I don't need all I don't like all of that stuff to be honest with you. And like m- my wife who loves bagels like probably die by the bagel. She still scoops. She's still like trying wow. to pull out half half of it. But and she would she also thinks that I'm crazy by liking Montreal, but I'm like you take half of the shit out of it anyways. So, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a smaller, a little crispier, you know, it's like kind of all all of it packed into a small package. We used to go up to near Greenwood Lake, New Jersey quite a bit and there was a, a bagel shop that had flagels that we hadn't I hadn't even seen in New York before. And they were kind of amazing because they eliminated all the inside and it was a flat and a little crunchy on the outside. Well, of course, approaching pretzels, anything that approaches pretzels is good. Well, there's the bagel right. chip now, which is just all outside. Bagel but... chips have been around for a long time. It's just good, good use of day-old bread. It's very sustainable. There's also now that. a new pretzel that's just the outside of the pretzel. Right. talking about it's, it's cre- pretzel crust, or crust something, yeah, like yeah. something like that. But those are actually okay if you're not Not exactly handmade. No, for sure. All right, I want to skip ahead to this one. A man from Maine was accused of embezzling 1.5 million worth of lobsters last week. The Portland Press Herald reports that Matthew Bellarose. How do we feel about that pronunciation? I think it's fine. Better than Arda's zone. Okay, thank you. A longtime employee and part owner of Maine lobster wholesaler Seesaw allegedly created an account for a fake customer who bought thousands of dollars worth of lobster without ever actually paying for any of them. It appears that Belarus didn't eat all the lobsters himself, but instead resold. Um, them. His partner claims that they lost somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.5 million to $2 million. And lobsters. And lobsters. Those are golden tickets. Clearly someone wasn't following up on AR. Wait, wait what <laughs> happened? He, the, he was a fake customer, but the customer never paid? Yeah. For how long? Sketchy. That's so ridiculous. It's like Goodfellas. I mean, they're always hijacking lobster trucks. Oh, that lobsters was a good huge. heist. This is the yeah, worst this heist was, of this all time. Yeah, but this wasn't even a heist. This was He was trying to do it, like, you know, above board as a fake person, but, you know. That would be like a Roberto's Pizza instead of Roberta's, like operating out of Roberta's. Like Mac, 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 Mac Dougal's, McDonald's. What is it coming to America? Yeah, it's <laughs> a... No, it's... Uh, no, Mac, Mac, uh, oh, McDowell's. McDowell's. <laughs> what a great movie. You know, I li- I, I've, I've lived in Fort Greene forever, and on the cor- for many years, there was a on the corner of Flatbush and Fulton, there was a McDonald's, and directly across the street was a, like, knockoff, had, like, the M. Oh, it wasn't McDowell, but it was, like, forever, you know. They finally just knocked it down, but it was, like... Right across the street from McDonald's. I do love the knockoff restaurants like Kansas Fried Chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kansas, exactly. <laughs> no, the one, it's uh, Kennedy. Like when you're going up 3rd Avenue to go to the Triborough Bridge, I think it's Kennedy Fried Chicken. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I feel terrible. You always need to take – you're not a sustainable business if you're never looking to see if someone owes you $1.3 million and has never paid. <laughs> that's for sure. 
Yeah. Sounds like there's That's something the deeper here than like lobster, <laughs> lob, like lobster laundering. Lobsters going rogue. All right, so we've seen a lot of promotions for CBD cocktails, smoothies, and espresso drinks. But yesterday we read about CBD spa treatments at luxury hotels in California and Colorado. They're offering massages, facials, body scrubs, and body wraps with CBD oil. CBD, which is, oh God, cannabidiol. Okay. Here we go. A chemical compound in marijuana. Artisanal zone. Pot without the THC is known for being an anti-inflammatory and helps with insomnia, pain relief, anxiety, etc. Sounds like a great treatment to me. Eczema. No, I just said et cetera because there is you just, a You're basically words. not going to read 80% <laughs> of the words fear of mispronouncing them. I like, do know how to read, though, so this is, like, weird. I, I'm, all for, I'm all for the, the CBD, the topical <laughs> CBD stuff. Just Come on. I, I am. You know, it, I, I have. I, I have I have really bad. I've, I had a Tommy John surgery in, in 96. I have really bad arthritis Are in, you my, a in my elbow. Um, I, I, I was a pitcher, but this was my left arm. I actually real sick not as good as my spitball though let me tell you my spitball is fierce also ask patrick in a game of wiffle ball like there i got some stuff yeah, you break one oh the yeah I, pitch. I got some stuff let me tell you but but the topical the cbd topical stuff has worked for me um probably better than any any other treatment that i've tried in it and i have really bad arm pains like like crippling at some points so so i'm i'm, I'm down with it you know what i'm gonna take that recommendation because i i also have like a frayed rotator cuff which is the tommy john john thinking a little bit of arthritis this is like middle-aged crazy that are I you am. a frisbee player? but but um uh coming from you i you know i trust them it takes a long time for it to work right it's like repeated applications it, it does it, it and i also so i take the cbd gummy bears as well so i, I buy the like max strength cbd <laughs> that's, that's THC gummy bears. no 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 i don't no i actually don't i have some if you need some I, I would those are also great you know but, Mike, I, but Mike that me after would the just show. like knock me out put me to sleep i take just straight cbd the cbd gummy bears uh I, you know and then I do the topical, and then I do the topical cream. And yes, over time, it it doesn't work right away, but it has been working. It has been the best thing yet. And I don't have to take a bunch of like crap that's like killing my stomach because like all the you know ibuprofen, all that stuff. It's just like over time is just like disintegrating my stomach. So it's got me off of the other stuff, which is which awesome. good. I feel good about. So I'd rather be doing this. I feel better. Maybe it's mental. I don't know. I also really like weed, so it's no it's people. Probably- Say it's not like it's know, not it like it's not natural. like it's not like icy hot where you're gonna feel it immediately and it's like ah. But I was talking to some friends in California and they say it's if you're using it consistently, you suddenly realize the pain went away. Like you you have the aha moment, but it's not from one minute to the next. It's just that it's gradual it's like and you feel right, but you feel better. And well, that I, is the goal. I don't know. Just smoke I'm, pot. Do the pot but then thing. you have a, then you stoned. have all the other residual effects but that you're having. Mike, Mike's the right, <laughs> but then you're high, and like, yeah. you, like that just uh, for me, it can't be like every like I got I got too much stuff to do. Not yeah. that it, not, not not that I'm like bashing getting high or that you can't do stuff while high. I can't personally. I can't like I can't like get both kids to school, get here, do a radio show, run a business. I can't do all of those things in my day if I'm also smoking weed just because of my arm. I hear like, it, it, it's like. You got to pick your battles. Well, go out to the spa, try it out. Well, I, I, well, that's that's true. Then you're stoned. It doesn't seem to stop Patrick any though. But uh, I'm glad you're 
I'm sad um, that it works for it works for you. But the thing that really okay, this is this really puts a bee in my bonnet. Okay, this really puts a burr in my saddle. Yeah, that's right, Libby. Wow. Okay. Okay. This gets my knickers in a twist. Is right outside here around the corner is the coffee shop selling cannabis uh, infused. It says white cannabis yeah. Yeah. coffee or cannabis tea. I know there's where no, this is going. And there's no psychoactive property to that. That's not THC. It's not pot. It's not weed. It's not. It sounds like you're gonna get stoned. The way no, it's they're, on they their acknowledge board. it. There's CBD. a big pot leaf drawn on there. It says cannabis. Tea. It says cannabis coffee. What am I supposed to think? I, I, think they're, I think they're trying to get rid of this. I think the C, the whole CBD thing is now they're they're in a process of trying to figure out how to regulate this because now people are putting it in everything. And 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 to be fair, we're, we're we're we we have a drink that has CBD in it. The thing with CBD that's different is is like people people now know or the younger generation now know that this is not a like an attempt to try to get high. But CBD does have some like really good effects. And when you're mixing it with like it's calming, you know. I know there's a lot of people that rather use like eat CBD on an airplane than take a Xanax. There's just it's 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 unnerving. It, it like kind of takes the edge off, kind of makes you makes you relax. Can I have one? Yeah, I got a pocket full of CBD <laughs> right now. Gummy bears out of my out of my wazoo. Oh, yes. the only thing I think where we're lacking here in like New York, for example, is people are just saying it's CBD oil added to your smoothie. It's CBD added to your your latte. In California and in, in Colorado, you're you are a little bit more shopping for it the way you would shop for pot. And I I wonder like there's some that are better for for sleeping. There are some that are better for your energy levels, for pain, for anti for inflammation. So you know, are we kind of like maybe taking the wrong CBD? Like here? like hey, like the word heritage, this will be misused. Like everything, mm-hmm. this will be misused. This is a new product to the market that people are going to that has like a popular buzz that people are into, and it will be misused. People are gonna just put it in all types of shit. If you don't know what you're doing with it, like it's it, it has no real effect. But if you're but if you're thoughtful and you understand what it does, and you're pairing it with certain things mm-hmm. that also may have some some opposing effects or or like inline effects this can be good so i think i think you're right california colorado they've been doing this for a lot longer they understand they have smarter people kind of doing it i think in new york a lot of it is once again marketing ploy to be like hey we got some weed in our smoothie without having weed in our smoothie well pretty soon yeah it's gluten gluten free free. a gluten free weed smoothie with not filled with gluten and no weed yes (laughs) let's just leave it like this it's a autos or a a artist zone i think we're calling it now the future of cbd is tbd Okay, All right, let's leave it All right, David. Let's take it away for a quick break We're going to be a break, and we'll come back with our guests. We're going to
My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. And we're back. Quiet on the set. All you pretzel eaters. All right, we're back with the main course OG. Uh, we're live in Bushwick, Brooklyn, here at Roberta's Pizza on Heritage. Give me a crunch. Give me a crunch. Heritage Radio Network. All right, we're in studio with our special guest for the weekly Girl Stop Chewing, uh, Alfred Milanese. Welcome. Hi. Yay. So, yay. Well, glad to be yay, here. Yay, yay, yay. So we've been eating pretzels all show, the whole show. Can you tell us the history of Martin's pretzels? And who is Martin? Is it Patrick Martin's? No, it's not. But it is actually a, 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 a last name. Uh, it's uh, the Martin family. Uh, there was a uh, bachelor uncle who started Martin's in the, uh, in the <clears throat> 30s. Uh, and uh, gay, <laughs> bachelor uncle. Yeah, well, bachelor <laughs> uncle. Took a wife. Loner. And uh, he he went out of uh, uh, he died in the sixties. And um, as they do with all property, it was uh, the the bakery was went up for auction because it just stopped producing pretzels. And uh, and they and and Lloyd uh, and then Clarence Martin, the two two brothers, whose wives happened to be sisters. Took over you know, uh, the, uh, the the bakery. All right, and what year did you come on board, or I how did you end so up? That with was it? the late '60s, where it sort of ceased and then came back on. Uh, I came in around 1982, and uh, how? I, uh, well, I was uh, living. I had a friend uh, in Pennsylvania who I shared an apartment with in New York. We went back and forth from Pennsylvania to New York, three days Pennsylvania, four days in New York, and. Uh, while we were there, we were always eating Martin's pretzels. It was sort of like the, the, the amazing sort of treat that none of us, I'd never seen before. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we, uh, we would go to the bakery and there would be barefoot uh, Mennonite women in long print dresses and aprons and little head things. Hippies. <laughs> singing <laughs> singing uh, Beatles songs. No, but they would be singing hymns. As they were rolling and twisting, and and there was a lot of clank and clatter of there was machinery in the bakery, but that machinery was really for transporting the pretzels from one oven to the next. Um, pretzels are made just like uh, uh, like bagels in a way. The bagels is is you know sort of a, a, the inheritance of, of comes of pretzels and bagels. The, the their origins are pretty similar, and uh, they're boiled first, and then they're uh, in baked. Soda? Uh, they're 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 boiled in water with caustic soda, okay, which is also known as lye, and that's where uh, the Maillard reaction comes in. Uh, ah. it, it, the the wet pretzel, the, when it comes out of the the boiling water with the caustic soda, uh, has a very very high pH uh, pH level, and when it goes into the 500 degree oven, uh, there's that sort of caramelization process process that happens, which is in fact the Maillard reaction. Um, it comes out of the 500 degree, which is oven, which is stone lined, and it goes in a circle. And it's uh, you know the, there, there's a chain that and a belt that turns the floor of the oven around, and they they scoot down and over to a drying oven. So they're really cooked three times. They're boiled, baked, and dried, which is the same thing as a triscuit, right? That's the French trisquit. Oh. Tri well, it's a triomphe. A triomphe, I right. don't think and the young American children know what why a triscuit's called a triscuit. But yeah, anyway, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but it's it's three times cooked, and and uh, and that and that is the story, uh, basically. And 
What makes them unique uh, uh, is that the boiling in the water with caustic soda, because that's not really just not done any, anymore. Certainly the commercial pretzels don't do that in any way, shape, or form. They spray on some coating or whatever. Um, uh, also, they're, they're rolled and twisted by hand. So little dough nuggets are passed around a table, and there are grooved boards on which uh, the, everyone who's rolling and twisting rolls out the pretzels and twists them. And the uneven pressure, the uneven hand pressure, um, makes a huge difference in the, the texture of, of, of the pretzel uh, when, when, when it arrives to, uh, in, the, in your bag. Uh, and, and is choosing a, I, like today we're eating the salted ones. I know you sell them also unsalted. I'm curious which is more popular, but is salted. there a specific... For me, I would say salted, but I don't know. He can you imagine salted, the kind of animal that would eat an unsalted. The, so, the salted, the salted are, are by far the most popular. And at one time, to distinguish between the salted and the unsalted, uh, the hearth, what we call hearth pretzels, and I think the first name was health baked pretzels. They used soda ash in the boiling water, which raised the pH level much less than the than the caustic soda, and hence the, the unsalted pretzels we sell many fewer of, many, many fewer, it's less than, I'd say, 10%, oh, wow. um, have, um, are a lighter color. Uh, they actually come out much, much lighter, uh, sort of a golden color, but they're not the, the deep, rich pretzel brown kind of thing. Um, but what we ha I have learned over the last 36 and a half years of selling pretzels at the green market is that... Um, Pretzel consumers have every kind of food neurosis imaginable in the sense that th there are people who want uh, what Patrick doesn't like are the puffy dark ones with hardly any salt. There are other ones who want the gnarly ones that are so hard you can barely chew, crunch into them. Uh, there are other people who like them extremely salt-covered like snow-capped mountains kind of thing and the and others who want them very dark but uh and and very salty so it's a it's it, there's really a, a a broad spectrum but i think that's special there's still there's something for everybody within a product that is handmade and that is right. you know artisanal charming and that, inconsistencies right. yes well that's the thing is we have a we have a standard uh place where if i didn't know you when i were giving you a pretzel i would give you one from that zone uh but it's interesting that what we've learned in sort of direct marketing them uh, which may not be our salvation in the end at this point because the world's changing quite a bit for us, um, that people love those variations that, that came naturally from the oven being maybe a little bit funny one day or a little hot here or, or the person who was at the oven baking after they took them out of the, the, the soda bath were, you know, being having a heavier hand at sprinkling on the salt, on the peel. Uh, you know, there are so many different uh, variations that are possible and we sort of capitalized them at the uh, on them at the market by g giving people what they wanted, you know, and everybody has a choice. So actually, on the very <coughs> nitty gritty kind of like using adjectives, what is good about that pretzel? I understand no machines and all that, but what physically and taste in your mouth is better about that pretzel than the best? store-bought one. Oh, oh, absolutely everything. <laughs> right, I know, but how do you define uh, it? I, how I would define it is that the 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 crunch is is very different. It's a much harder crunch. It's sort of like the difference between handmade uh, or what they call kettle cooked or handmade potato chips, which really came out of Pennsylvania, the same area originally. 
uh, which are they're cut thicker and they're I don't know if they cook them harder, but it's so the crunch is one. Mm -hmm. uh, the other is what's produced by the Maillard reaction. This kind of caramelization um, that happens on the it gives a, a very particular flavor. That is, uh, when you put your tongue on one of these pretzels, it doesn't stick. It's like like a like a frozen pipe. You know, mm -hmm. your your tongue doesn't stick to it. If you take any sort of commercial pretzel and you do that, and your tongue kind of sticks to it. It doesn't have that quality. Uh, and then there's also uh, the, the uneven air bubbles also change that, that crunch. They're also a sour yeast dough. Right. They, they make a, 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 a what, what do you call that, a sponge, uh, you know, where the, where the yeast and water and flour is mixed ahead of time. And then more yeast and, uh, and obviously flour later is added. Uh, and the, that becomes somewhat sour. It's not it has a, a tooth. Well, it contributes to, to the actual flavor. Uh, that, that, and you just you can't even get close to this with a machine made. Uh, they've tried. How does it compare in price to store-bought pretzels? I mean, sometimes I think commodity shitty products actually just cost as much as the artisan stuff uh, because they're greedy or because there's so many inefficiencies, so many machines, so much technology. I mean, what's a one-pound bag cost at Green Market? Uh, at Green Market, a pound bag costs seven dollars, uh, and uh, of broken pretzels, a pound of broken pretzels is seven dollars. That's actually a real. We're learning now, uh, after the, the many years of doing this, even though we've raised our prices, that that's a bargain basement price. Yeah. Um, what's it cost for a pound of? Uh, supermarket for them, and you're probably spending close, right? There are ones where I guess you can get them for as little as, as $4 a pound or $5 a pound. But the fact is that I think it's probably about uh, the ratio of what it costs to make one of those pretzels versus one of our pretzels or the a pound of, you know, the, an equivalent amount is probably 10% or less. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly the, the real, the Mr. Salty pretzels, it may be like 2% of the cost. Uh, so, you know, theoretically, we should be selling them for 50 times more. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and we're actually wrestling with this right now. As you see the package that, I, that no one can see here, but it's a, it's a octagonal box um, that helps preserve and make the pretzels look like uh, something that's special to people who wouldn't have ever encountered them before. What percentage of uh, pretzels stay whole and what percentage break <laughs> and uh, does it matter? Uh, yeah, it, I, I don't think it I like them broken. It means yes. I can eat more. Right. I, yes. I have, that's how I met. She's eaten 40 pretzels today. Yes, exactly. The way we do it at market, I would say we're almost at 50-50 because mm. it, there is the, there are just so many different issues that come along in doing this. We try in the more, in our uh, commercial packaging that's trying to go to fine food stores, it's been as far as Japan uh, and so on to make, make sure they're all whole because there is a, an aesthetic in the whole pretzel and each one is different. And if you actually look really carefully on a lot of pretzels, you can see the thumbprint from where they've squeezed the, the little wow. tail onto the pretzel. Talk about handmade. Well, as someone who's been with Green Market since 1982, I mean, geez, that started in 1979, right, on 59th Street Bridge? Well, or 76, Six. maybe. I'm not sure. It was, so uh, how's it changed? How has it changed? You can answer that any way you want. <laughs> right. A lot of ways of answering. Well, that. Uh, I, for uh, for for a while, um, I, I actually was the chairman of the farmer committee. There's a farmer community advisory committee, and and it's become sort of the guiding light of Green Market. And what I what I often said is that 
we've gone from being sort of the, the, the farmers and the, and the producers in the market from being very reactive uh, to being more proactive. Uh, I think this sense of green market uh, being uh, at the leading edge of, of farm market systems has been very, very, very important. And uh, how it's changed on the ground, uh, well, I mean, there was Jason's Coffee Shop had a big um, uh, neon sign that was cut down so that it's only coffee shop. And everybody knows the coffee shop now, but it had Jason's above that once upon a time. And when we started out, you could go into Jason's bathroom and there would be invariably someone shooting up in the little grody stall that was there. Um, people didn't really walk through Union Square Park, through the park very much. And the local, you know, the people who did live nearby or within walking distance or whatever were so absolutely ecstatic to have us, uh, to have the market there at the time. Uh, and uh, it's just grown and mushroomed from that. I think now there's a little bit more of a caveat emptor. You know, you, 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 you really do have to be careful when you're shopping. I mean, obviously not everybody is going to be perfect uh, because it's become a really big system. I think there are more than uh, 50 markets now and there are at almost 30 that are year-round. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an amazing uh, uh, center for community mm -hmm. and for food and, and so on. And the, uh, uh, the change has been uh, dramatic as well in the neighborhood uh, around it. Mm -hmm. um, I always say they only, every time we bring up Green Market on this show, I've always said that they should serve lunch. They should, whether it be yeah. oysters or, you know, it always has to be all Green Market. But if you can get a sandwich there and sit in the park with your kids and not have to go. I think originally that rule was made to preserve the city bakeries of the world. And so they would get right. business. But now that it's all McDonald's and these big chains, Starbucks, let the farmers get people to say, we're going to go there for the day. We're going to have lunch, like the Ferry Plaza right, Market Ferry Plaza, yeah. is a great yeah. example. Madison, Wisconsin, let people have a sandwich, let people have lunch. But I'm still a huge fan. We shop at uh, Grand Army Plaza every Saturday for the week. Yeah, right. it's it's a pretty amazing asset uh, to, to, the, to the whole city, I think. And to see... To see the um, the evolution, also that's the other biggest change, probably to me, is the, is the evolution of the products at the market. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, let's say, I mean, just offhand, if there were like fifty different products, uh, you know, in the early days, what are there now? Two hundred and fifty different products, and 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 it's really pretty amazing. But the, there's only ever been one pretzel, and it's handmade. <laughs> it's only so ever been one. For our listeners, you can find more information at martinspretzels.com. You can also find Alfred and his pretzels at the green markets here in New York. I know you're at Union Square, and what's your other regular the, ones? Uh, the, the only uh, other regular market that we do now is Sundays uh, up by the, behind the Museum of Natural History. On the Upper West Side. On the Upper West Side. Otherwise, we're at, at, at uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday at Union Square. Awesome. It's well, we best. hope everyone will go and visit him. And uh, thanks to David. Thanks for to David for two everything. years and eight months of. Oh, uh, thank you guys. And now uh, you're dead to me. stick around for uh, Tech Bites at eleven. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys. See you next week. You've heard the noise they make, but let me reintroduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's great. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
Food Radio is supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.